episode 45, Eric Twiggs, host of the 30 Minute Hour podcast. My favorite mistake. Yes, I'm successful, but I didn't feel significant. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes and an opportunity to enter to win a copy of Eric's book, The Discipline of Now, go to markgraben.com slash mistake 45. Our guest today is Eric M. Twiggs. He is the founding partner and president of the What Now Movement. So it'll be good. We'll talk about that here today. Um, His mission is to build high-performing entrepreneurs, authors, and career professionals who are prepared for life's unexpected curveballs. And that's something we could all be better prepared to do. Um, He's the author of uh, the book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. So we're going to talk about that today. And he's also the host of a weekly inspirational podcast titled The 30-Minute Hour. So uh, with that, Eric, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, Mark. It's a pleasure and an honor to be on your show. Yeah. And um, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. I've got to ask first, though, why the 30-minute hour? (laughs) <laughs> like that makes it. Why? 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 why how, where'd you come up with that name for your podcast? We get that question all the time. So the thirty-minute hour. It, it. The funny thing is that most of our episodes go for an hour, but it feels like thirty minutes because of the value <laughs> yeah. of the content, and we have so much fun. It goes by so fast. So that's the meaning of the thirty-minute hour. <laughs> Well, good. And our 30 minutes together here, I know they won't feel like an hour because you have a lot of good things to share with us. (laughs) So I'm not worried about that uh, in reverse. So, all right. So we'll get right into um, the usual question here, Eric. What's your favorite mistake? My favorite mistake. So I was at a point in my career where I realized that what I was doing, yes, I'm successful, but I didn't feel significant. And so I thought maybe I was really going through this discovery process and I I thought maybe I needed to make a change. So at the time I was a district manager in automotive. I had these seasoned, experienced managers. They could make all their decisions on their own for the most part, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. So for a while, a lot of people in my company, one of the former executives went over to this video store company. And he was over there and I was hearing all these good things about what it's like to work there. And and so I made the decision that I was going to leave where I was because I didn't feel fulfilled. And it made me if I went to this other company, this video store company, I was going to be a district manager with 13 video locations. I figured that's going to be going to be fun. It's a lot of my former colleagues were over with, with the organization. It ended up being my favorite mistake. So when when I got there, I knew on the first day that I had made a a big mistake. I just knew it it just it wasn't a fit. And I went from, you know, I had these seasoned managers who I could just give them the big picture and they just ran with it. 
to the managers I had, literally, I had to explain, okay, if you're faxing a document, you're going to take the paper, you want to put it in the fax machine, you want to make sure the fax machine's on, you want to make, I mean, literally, it, it was, I, I regretted, I kicked myself for a long time. But here's why it's my favorite mistake. It's because it forced me to dig into situational leadership. And I had to learn how to how, how to deal with people at the different development levels. So yeah, I had people in my in my old position, they just needed the big picture. But but then I learned how to deal with people that need the step-by-step hand-holding details. And I'm, I'm, the lessons I learned from that are with me to this day because I, I deal with people as a coach that are coming from all these perspectives, right? Some people, I just give them the big picture and they go with it. But then there's some people I literally need to say, turn your light on in your office, sit on your computer, hit the power button. So I, <laughs> A lot but, of hand-holding, huh? Yes. And now, again, I'm not. I'm not a handholder by nature. <laughs> so so, so it, what it taught me is to create systems. So I, I have checklists. I have all kinds of things. So when, if you're that type of person, I hit the send button. You get all your step-by-step instructions that you crave. But I, I wouldn't have that perspective. I don't think I'd have that flexibility without that mistake. Wow. So um I mean, how how tempted were you, though, to quit on that first day and try to go back to the old job or something? Right. right. That's a great question. And for a while, I thought about doing that. But it was almost like it was like a pride thing. I didn't want to have to go because it was like I'd be admitting that I made this mistake. So I I wanted to see if I could make it work. And I'd always had I think running multiple locations is like my it's in my zone of excellence. It's that thing, whatever, I'm good at it, right? Um, but my zone of genius is more what I'm doing now as far as writing, speaking, and that type of thing. So I figured, hey, I can make it work. I've always been good at running multiple locations. But no, it was definitely a mistake. Well, and I, I can't help but notice, you know, one of the themes on this podcast series is being uh, open about admitting mistakes. Usually some time has passed. And so it's, it's kind of come full circle that you're talking about um, not wanting to admit a mistake um, in that moment. If, if you had quit, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, I, I mean, I can certainly understand that um, there, there's that balance of, boy, this feels like a huge mistake. Should should I leave or should I tough it out? And it sounds like by toughing it out, it actually turned out to be really beneficial for you. It did. Yeah. I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. I mean, it really, I think I'm much more of an effective communicator, much more an effective leader uh, than I would have been had that not, had that mistake not happened. Do you you remember how long it took? You said it it sounded like this bothered you for a while. It's not like you came on on day two saying, oh, great. I'm, I'm glad I didn't quit yesterday, that this was a struggle for, for a while. Um, like, you know, how long did it take um, to come around. It's not like this, this was, this is a, a real challenging situation you were in. I, I think it was really after I left and, and got back into uh, the automotive track. So I ended up just leaving there. I was, I did it for like three years and I mean, all things considered had some success, but uh, when I got back in the automotive track, I, it felt like, okay, yeah, this is, but, but, but I look back on it. It was really after looking back while I was in it, I think I kicked myself most of the time, but once I got out and was able to reflect and I was able to, and I, and I found myself having an easier time 
dealing with, I, I think I was easy to work for because I had developed certain skills that I would never had the opportunity. Here's something else I learned. I, I do think it's good to find your fit because I, I don't think I would have ever been great in that environment. And I think if you find your fit, I think you can really become the person that you're supposed to become if you're in, if you're in the right vehicle that allows you to express that. So, yeah, this would be a good thing to explore a little bit. So, it's uh, you know, um, I don't mean to kick the video story industry, but I, I'm old enough. I remember a time where, like, you know, we're recording this on a Friday afternoon. And there was a time where, like, after this you and me, and we would have been going off to the video store in our respective towns to go find something uh, to watch right. on a Friday night or on a weekend. And and now later, uh, you know, it'd be a couple clicks on the, t the TV remote. And, you know, we've got many video stores um, uh, available right on our, uh, right on our uh, TV. But uh, one movie I streamed recently, um, I, have you seen the movie Soul from Pixar? Yes, yes. It's it all about finding your purpose and your fit, right? Yeah, that movie, I don't understand how that's a, a children's movie. Because, I mean, that's, that's really deep. <laughs> it was. <laughs> that, like, I, have to, I need to watch it again. I mean, it really, the, yeah, but the message, yeah, the, the takeaway for me is that, you know, I think you have to appreciate the journey. I think that was the message of the movie. He was so, the character was so caught up in trying to get to being this famous musician. But he, but he took for granted the other little things in life. Yeah. And then um, the uh, the character that was voiced by Tina Fey, um, you know, uh, kind of, you know, on different levels, you can think about like, you know, sometimes we're always searching for what we think the perfect opportunity would be. That might be like, that might be true in a job search. And when you took the job at that video store company, Eric, uh, you know, it, it, it probably it didn't it didn't seem like the perfect opportunity on that first day for sure. Um, no, but. So when you talk to people, so as you work now as as a speaker, which you know you sound really, um, I make a bad pun thinking back to the movie Soul. You seem really jazzed about being a speaker. Um, you know um, what? What one one of the videos that's on your website? You talk about um, finding your fit, finding your purpose. So you know what, what when you're on stage, what sorts of message or advice do you have for people um, about finding their fit in life? Well, one of the things I would say is you know, focus on your gift. Focus on, you know, focus on that thing that just comes, it comes naturally to you, but it looks like it's, a for someone from the outside looking in, it looks like it's work, but it's something that just comes naturally to you. And, and I think you, you follow your passion. And that, that's what helped me to get to the point where I was speaking regularly, because I, when I look back, when I, I look back, I found that. I was the most fulfilled and I felt best when I was speaking in front of a group. And I remember I, I used to think like, even when I was a corporate trainer, I would think, man, you know, I could just do this all the time and it would be okay. And then I ended up getting promoted and all of that. But, uh, but yeah, so if you find that thing and, and then finally I was able to get traction when I joined Toastmasters International. So the, so the initial mistake I made was, if you're talking about my favorite mistake, this is another mistake. I thought I had to have everything figured out, right, before I started moving. You know, I thought it, it, I had to have the perfect thing, but I learned that you can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. So finally, I focused on the next step. I said, I'm just going to join Toastmasters. 
Then I got the Toastmasters and started speaking. And then I met someone who trained professional speakers. Then I, I took that course. And then from there, I'm, people kept encouraging me to join the National Speakers Association. I did that. And that was a, a game changer for me. So, so my, my big message is really follow your passion and, and listen, to, listen to your body. So that, that's one of the takeaways from this talk that you and I are having. Like when I was in the wrong thing, I knew it in my gut. It's like I just knew I had made a big mistake. And, it's, and then when you're in the right thing, you just know. Yeah. A lot of times your body's telling you, yeah, this is this is this is an alignment. So just really pay attention to that. That's that's a good thing to learn or a good thing to be reminded of. Don't make don't make me think about any of that too deeply. I need to stay on track with uh, <laughs> interviewing you here uh, today, Eric. So um, uh, before we before we talk about the book, I'm, I'm curious if you can um, tell us. Um, so when you say the what now movement, um, tell us a little more about the name and, and, and what you do in that context. Yes, I'm the president of the what now movement, and we started it in April of 2020 because I had my two business partners, Ted Fells, who's my co-host on the podcast, The 30-Minute Hour, and then Dr. Sharon H. Porter. And we, we wanted to work together. We said, we need to join forces. We're all doing these things. What if we collaborated? And we started just having a conversation about, you know, this was right when the pandemic started. And I would talk to someone who was a comedian, and they would tell me, well, Eric, I can't go to the improv. I can't go to the comedy store. Everything's on lockdown. Or then I would talk to another speaking colleague and they would say, I can't go to the hotel ballroom and get in front of a thousand people anymore. And some of the things we would hear was, I'm going to wait until things get back to normal. And that's what not to do. And we, we were talking to each other and we would say, you know what? They, they need to be asking what now? And then we said the what now movement. And that's literally how it came to be. And our mission is to help people, to inspire people to pivot and to keep moving yeah. when when you run into a, a tough situation. Yeah, you, you you beat me to it. Right before you said the word pivot, that word um, came to mind because that word gets used a lot in entrepreneurial um, circles. And I, I th I'm going to try to draw a parallel. So, you know, there, there's a movement called the Lean Startup Movement. Mm -hmm. um, Eric Reese is, um, you know, the author and known for that. And when they talk about a startup enterprise, um, hitting some sort of bump where they need uh, to pivot based on what their customers and what the market is telling them, that pivot's done within the context of mission and purpose, yes. right? So pivot doesn't mean um, the, the the company makes a complete 180 change. Of like, well, yeah, let me think of an example of... Um, you know, a children's book company is not suddenly going to become a vaccine producer. That's not a pivot. That that would, might might be more of a pipe dream than a than a pivot. As as much as we need vaccines right now, but um, it sounds like you know the idea of what now. So I'm going to bounce it back to you of what you think is that as professionals, we've got to figure out how to find a pivot. Like speakers are trying to figure out or are figuring out how to do more virtual engagements. Um, that that's that's sort of a a slight detour as opposed to getting onto a completely new road. I'm going to mix metaphors here, but, but what are your thoughts about, you know, kind of pivoting without losing your unique sense of purpose? Yeah, I think it's adding, you know, additional, like for example, like adding additional wrinkles. 
like getting more involved with the, the, the different social platforms, more social media, more virtual things and, you know, getting on doing virtual summits. Uh, can you add your restaurant or the other products and things that you can offer uh, to make up for the fact that you can't have as many people in, in your dining area? So it's just really, you just have to be creative. Is it, is it, is it make, getting yourself out there? So but for me, for example, I used to, I would do trade shows and I, I would do book signings where I would get with other authors. We would go to a location and put the information out there. Well, now we, we do that virtually. We, we, do, right. we do virtual book tours. So what, what are some different ways? So the key is instead of focusing on what you can't, you can't do, what can you do? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite examples of that, um, one of my favorite restaurants uh, in, in Texas, when they weren't able to have anyone come in and dine normally, um, I think, you know, b- before the pandemic, they probably did very minimal takeout business. They probably did more doggy bags than they did like pure takeout. Well, so then they started putting together, you know, these weekend brunch meal packs and these these dinner packs. So instead of cooking up, you know, plate of food for each customer, they were starting to do you know, you know larger quantities, things that could be kept warm or reheated at home. And they've found such success with that. Once the restaurant now kind of in Texas, at least people can come back into restaurants and dine, um, you know, limited quantity. But when life gets back to normal, they've realized they've just added another level to their business. So let's say if we snap our fingers and, 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 and we go back to normal tomorrow, like there's still a lot of money to be made using the kitchen midday when they didn't normally have a lot of diners to use the kitchen to make these meals that I bet people would still buy. Um I think that's a great example. I mean, I can even give you an example on the 30 minute from the 30 minute hour podcast. But before the pandemic, we used to do it in Ted Fells's conference room. That's where we would record the podcasts and you know, we'd have it go to YouTube, record it, and then we would go to the different platforms. But his office got closed because of the pandemic. We couldn't go there. So we ended wow. up <laughs> broadcasting live on Facebook total game changer and it, it's really increased our audience dramatically and it's so much so i mean we we would stay with that we, like we're not we don't have any plans to go back to do the, doing it the way but we would have never mm-hmm. we had just stopped and said okay well i guess we can't do a podcast anymore we would have never come across this yeah so i mean that's another great example of i mean you know clearly there's been a lot of bad um you know with with the pandemic this past year but to see when, um, you know, out of necessity to see creativity or uh, some sort of um, pivot when people figure out what now, um, you know, that, 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 that does create some situations at least to be thankful for. And maybe we need that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's no accident that most of the Fortune 500 companies were birthed in some type of downturn. Mm. I don't, that's not an accident because it, out of necessity, when you get desperate, you get innovative. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so instead of getting getting down, let's get innovative. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So um, you mentioned social media. And so let's let's use that as a way of um, transitioning to talk about your book um, on procrastination, because social media runs the risk of being something that really enables procrastination or it's a temptation. 
Um, I, do, you have, do you have before we get into the book um, in in general? Like, what are your thoughts on what, what would you do? Um, okay, there are times when I'm guilty of this, so I won't make it about others. Eric, if I find myself procrastinating by scrolling on social media, um, do you have any advice? Well, it's all about awareness. So the key is the, the key, and this is what the book helps you with. It helps you to look at patterns that cause you to procrastinate. So a lot of people that use social media to procrastinate, it, it is, they're pursuing something aspirational. This may or may not be you. They're pursuing something aspirational. They start feeling anxiety about what the next level is going to look like. And, and they'll relieve the anxiety that they, they get a rush from uh, the, the social media. So, so they, they start streaming Facebook. Oh, hey, look, got a, got a message. Hey. And so it's, it's almost like the same feeling you get when you're playing the slot machines, that, that dopamine yeah, rush there. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's something to be aware of. But there's apps, like there's an app called Rescue Time. And what it does, it allows you to track how much time you're spending on social media. When you start to see it's two hours, three hours, it helps you to make, and you can even take it to another level where you can have it after a certain period of time, you can have it block your social media access. Yeah, I mean, the uh, iPhone has um, that that screen. I think they call it screen time, where mm -hmm. you can set limits on categories of apps. And I'll tell you, I've tried that before, but then I'll pop up and say, like, "Do you want to disregard the limit?" <laughs> so I'm like, and I'm uh, I'll admit my mistake of of sometimes doing that. So if I were serious about this, I might maybe hand my iPhone to my wife and have her set a password that I don't know, maybe to help save myself from some of that. No matter what I'd say, don't give me that password. <laughs> no matter how much I beg and plead, I might need to try that. Well, uh -huh. you know, uh, so the book, um, again, our guest is um, Eric M. Twiggs, and uh, he's got a really interesting sounding book called the, D the Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Um, what what is one maybe you know? Do you have a favorite principle that you might want to share with the audience here? Well, I, I think that it goes back to clarity, and I always say clarity is the starting point of success. Mm -hmm. Because when you're, what happens is when you're when you're not clear, it, it you, you start to that the uncertainty, it, it just opens you up to saying yes to things that you really should say no to. Like when you're unclear in your destination, everything sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you want to chair the PTA? Sure. You want to be the vice president? Oh, no problem. But when you're clear on your purpose and you're clear with your, on what you're trying to accomplish, then you can, so that, that's, that's why like a lot, of, I've had the privilege of being around a lot of highly successful people and they have no problem saying no. Like no is their default until they have more information. But they're very protective of their time. Like they, they treat their time like some people would treat money. I mean, they, they, they just, they're protective of that space. And, and there's a reason for that because they're clear on what it is they're trying to accomplish. And, that, and that's why that's a critical, just chapter three in the book, but when we talk about clarity, clarity is the starting point of success. Hmm. Wow. Um, do you do you have a sense? Um, 
this might be hard to answer, but um, do you feel like, you know, within, you know, is, is procrastination getting worse as time goes on? Do you think, I mean, do you end up coaching, um, like, is this a bigger problem amongst um, younger people or are there any, like, are there any sort of trends that you have a sense of? Well, I, I think it's across the board. I think it's getting, it's getting worse because there's just more and more distractions. Uh, yeah. There's more things. If, if you're not intentional, and that's the key. You really just have to go back to knowing your purpose. But you, you really have to have certain disciplines in place now. More, like, like even your cell phone, right? So there's a study that they studied these college students and 88% of the survey participants said that they could feel their phone vibrating when it was powered <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. The thing it's called the phantom notification syndrome. So, so your cell phone, for example, is so distracting. It distracts you when it's not even powered. On. <laughs> That's so it, powerful. It, yeah. It, it's harder now just because of mm. all the different distractions. Yeah. So as you wrote the book, I mean, I have to ask them, were there times you procrastinated on writing a book about procrastination? Yeah, I, I have to confess. <laughs> yeah, I, I procrastinated on the procrastination book. <laughs> but you know why? Because it was that perfectionism thing. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the things I learned from that whole experience is you just have to, you have to write and edit at different times. So mm-hmm. you just have to have times where no matter how crazy it sounds, you just get your ideas on paper. I was attending like a, a write, I, I went to a conference and I think it was the National Speakers Association. They had a writing lab and they said, okay, for five minutes, just write whatever comes to mind as it relates to your book, or a, pre, a speech you have, whatever. And literally that's how I wrote most of the introduction of my mm-hmm. book <laughs> because it, I thought, oh, I'm gonna have to edit this. But when it came out, I was shocked at how much sense it made. And I got farther doing that than when I was trying to write and edit at the same time. Yeah. So it comes back to, like you said earlier, don't let perfect get in the way of progress. And and as as an author myself, and when I talk to people who want to write a book or are writing a book, I end up giving very similar advice. Like, I don't think anybody ever wrote a perfect first draft. Nope. At some point, you just got to get words down. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, 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 I can see where that 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 strive for perfectionism could uh, get in the way. But, you know, so thank you for uh, letting me put you on the spot and admit. <laughs> what did you, I, so I, I mean, I assume, you know, this kind of goes hand in hand. You use the principles and the ideas in the book to get yourself back on track. I do. I do. <laughs> you know, this is going to sound crazy, but sometimes I literally have to go back and read chapter six, the no chapter. <laughs> because the funny thing, like it, something I'll be doing like a blog on that topic or something, then I'll get, an offer to do something that sounds great. And I'm just about to say, then I have to wait a minute. Let me, let me back up. Does this align with my purpose? Is this align with my plan? Is this, I, I really had to take a few steps back. So now I, I do, I do apply. And, and the book is titled the discipline of now because it, it requires discipline. And the good news with discipline is that it's something that can be acquired. Mm, that's a great point. Something that can be practiced and built up. Absolutely. And um, it seems like the type of place where we're having, as with a lot of things, whether it's writing, you know, I, had a, I had a book coach. Um, I'll, I'll give a quick shout out, Kathy Fiock, who's quite active in the National Speakers Association. Uh, you may run across her at some point, Eric. Just no, that's, a, that's a great idea. I mean, I think when we talk about the procrastination thing, 
getting a coach, getting a mentor, getting an accountability partner. Mm -hmm. Those are all ideas that will help you to overcome procrastination. Yeah. Um, so one other question I want to ask Eric, um, you know, about your podcast, um, the 30 minute hour. Um, so I, I learned when we, we talked before, um, we were recording that you, you like to ask guests a, a question that's very similar to the question I ask. So what, what, what is that question and why do you like asking it? So here's the question. The, the question I'll ask people is to tell me about your favorite failure and how you, how it's contributed to the person you've become. And what it does, it, 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 it adds a level of transparency because, mm -hmm. because you know how you, you see people on their social media profile and their posts and you would think they've got it all together and it's just the perfect thing. And from the outside looking in, you're like, Oh, I can't do that. I can't be like them. But like, like I had a guest on, we asked her that question and she said, I've never revealed this. Oh my goodness. And my co-host and I, just like you, my co-host and I yeah. leaning in like, uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she told us how she, she got sued for a million dollars for something that was, was bogus. And, but it just, the guy just kept kept going. It was, and, and finally she ended up settling, and and then she uh, she got an SBA loan for the exact amount for this of the settlement. Huh. But you know, but we talked to her favorite failure. She felt like a failure when she yeah. got sued. Right. But she looks back at it as a valuable experience because it helped her with perseverance and everything else. No, I'm telling you. It's been a game changer. And I appreciate the fact that that's really like a big theme of your podcast because it's been a game changer for us. Yeah. Well, I, and, and so, I mean, yeah, that makes you a perfect fit for this podcast to be willing to come on and share your story. There's, you know, a kind of, you know, a certain, um, it, it strips away the veneer a little bit and it takes a, you know, a little, uh, it's, it's a vulnerable thing to admit a mistake, but that's the theme here. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Look, I'm going to admit, and I was embarrassed by this and Eric was still gracious enough to come on the podcast. Anyway, I was, I think I was 10 minutes late for our pre-call and yeah. I don't, I, and I don't do that very often. I was mortified and I, I was embarrassed uh, about it. So, um, that was, that was not a favorite mistake, but it was a recent mistake. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I think we're just trying to help people realize that we all make mistakes and, and the key thing, and it seems like you're very much uh, in touch with this, Eric is reflecting and, and learning on it as you did from your story. And it sounds like the stories you hear from your podcast guests. So thank you for that. No. And, and that's why the, the, a lot of resolutions fail because people make a mistake and they don't keep going. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like you said, reflecting on it, learning from, from it and getting back on track. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. So maybe we'll we'll end on that note. But, um, Eric, this has been uh, a lot of fun. It was a it was 30 minutes that did not feel like an hour. I think it might, it felt like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> felt like five minutes. It went by so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this has been a lot of fun. Our guest again is um, Eric Twiggs. The name of the book is The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. The website is www.thedisciplineofnow. Um, don't procrastinate. It's available now, right? <laughs> For sure. For sure. <laughs> you don't want to hear someone say like, oh, I'm going to buy your book next month. No. <laughs> <laughs> Please go ahead and do that and check uh, check out the book. And then um, 
I hope this is still true, Eric. You're, you're going to have me as a guest on your podcast. So I'll look forward to that. And, and I'm going to ask you the failure question too. And I look, I look forward to hearing that answer. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give that, I'm going to give that some thought and I'm going to make sure I show up five minutes early. I'm still making <laughs> up for the 10 minutes late thing. Again, my apologies for that. Oh, no worries. Eric, thanks a lot. And uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thank you. Again, I want to thank our guest, Eric Twiggs. Thank you for listening. And to find show notes for this episode, you can go to markgraven.com slash mistake 45. And don't forget, you can enter to win books from previous guests. You can go to markgraven.com slash contests to learn more. Thanks for subscribing. Please rate and review us too, if you have a chance. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes and how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive as our guests have. I've had listeners tell me that they've started being more open and honest about their mistakes in the workplace, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe for people to speak up about problems because that leads to improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.